Well, hello everyone. My name is Ryan Griggs, and I'm the host of the Renaissance Podcast. And alongside to me is someone that's not typical to the guests that I talk to, because I know I talk to a lot of ranchers and farmers and others in the agriculture space. But this one is very special to me because Solbra is one of the very big accounts on Twitter that have had a gigantic impact on my life because of health and wellness and just really waking me up to all this toxicity in the world. And yeah, I'm just gonna leave it at that because this is freaking awesome to hear. So thank you for joining. My pleasure. So I guess to get started, I just wanted to share, I guess, not the full story, but just the chronological story leading up to today, because I know you know some things about my past leading up to this, but I don't think you know just the severity of it all. So going back to 2021, the very first six months I took off from work, I come from a tech background, uh, so disconnected from my food, never visit a farm or ranch. And then uh, I took that off because my brother had stage four colon cancer. And on top of that, my mom in 2019 was forced to retire from her health. She was a teacher. And through the years of stress, uh, depression, poor dieting, no exercise or sunlight, she ended up developing sleep apnea, gout, shingles, coronary artery disease, so the most common heart disease. Her kidney and liver were failing, and she needed uh, replacements for both, but she was deemed inoperable because of her heart. Four to five different times, she had two liters of fluid drained from her lungs. So she was just suffering drastically on her end too, to where her health just deteriorated so quickly. Because initially, I thought she had dementia, because just mentally, she just was not there anymore. It was drastic change. And so throughout all of that, obviously, that was a whirlwind, because I've had a fairly straightforward life. Never really went through any crazy family matters, no trials and tribulations to this extent. And I just remember the first day going back home, seeing my brother, because the year prior to that, I'm all over the place right now, but this is also why I always comment on a lot of your posts whenever you speak out, especially with healthcare because of everything that I've experienced. So I should actually backtrack. 2020 at the start of the pandemic was whenever we found out he had stage three colon cancer. In September of that year, we were told it was in remission. And so I actually went back home to Southern Indiana. My poor mother had candles and you know a cake and everything to celebrate because her son is quote unquote in remission. This was the very first thing to where it made me realize what's going on with our healthcare system. Because two months later, we found out it's stage four. I don't know how the hell healthcare system can tell you that your cancer's in remission to two months later. Not only did it come back, but it, it went to the worst stage possible of cancer. And so this was at the height of the, the scandemic. And on Christmas Day, he had emergency surgery for everything. He was only allowed one hour with one visitor that day on Christmas. After being told he's got stage four cancer. I remember being at home with my family while my dad was up in Indianapolis and just obviously a world whirlwind of emotions, just really angry and sad because I knew going into hearing the cancer news that if it had ever progressed, I would go back home to be his caretaker. So I did all of that. And then before I went back to Indiana in January of 2021, my brother had me call all these cancer centers like Sloan Kettering, uh, Mayo Clinic, Vanderbilt, and then MD Anderson, which is the quote unquote top colon cancer center, not in the country, but in the world. And I want to highlight that because throughout this whole entire six months, they completely failed my brother. And the whole reason why I have Renaissance and why I so appreciate all that you speak out against and for is because the institutions that we're supposed to trust have failed us yeah. it's time and time again. So whenever I went back home and seeing my brother, even though I had seen him in September the previous year, it was nine day difference. Because initially when I went back home, he had an apartment about 10 minutes away from my parents' place. And I was gonna stay there while taking care of my brother at my parents' place. That lasted just one day because he was already in so much pain from the cancer and the opioids and the, the chemo, obviously, that that day, I remember him texting me to come back to stay that night. But I was in such a bad state already from seeing that. 
I just started drinking and smoking that night because that just messed me up. Truly realizing, okay, this is way worse than I can ever imagine. We all know cancer and all this is terrible. But unless you see it firsthand, you, you can't describe what it's like. It's way worse than your imagination. And so as I was taking him to chemo, everything that was happening, there's just so many different times where he'd be laying on his bed because I ended up moving in the same room and we were just together where it was his bed, a recliner, and then my bed. There were so many different times where he was just rolling in pain, just crying out, looking at me and crying out my name. And all I could do was just sit there and watch. And then with all the chemo and the radiation and the opioids, I've become so desensitized to throw up. The, the amount of vomiting my brother had was just insane. There, Every single night, I would just be emptying buckets of puke every night. And then I just remember I would go into the bonus room where my dad's at, and we just look at each other and just nod. We wouldn't say anything. And that just kept happening day after day after day. Not only that, every waking moment for him, he was just constant nausea. When you think you're just nauseous for like 15 minutes, you just want to go, want that to go away. He was like that from every waking moment for, for as long as that was happening. And so none of the treatments were working. It kept getting worse. He kept getting in more pain. We kept having up the opioid dosage because he had oxycodone and oxycotton, And we'd have to take the specific times to make sure spaced out in time but with all that ended up blocking his system completely so essentially in the beginning of april we were told he was only given two weeks to live because he had lost so much weight he was not eating anytime he would eat he would just throw it all up and then his system was really blocked he ended up weighing around 115 pounds and again this is why i'm so grateful to have for you and everyone on twitter and then why I do Regenesance for this specific, I don't even want to say memory, just nightmare. He hadn't, so with the two weeks to live, he really did not leave the recliner at all. It was just to the bed to the recliner because he just had no energy to do anything. He couldn't even move his arm to get his phone. I had to get up just to do that. That's how bad he was. So I helped bathe him. And whenever that happened, I could see his whole entire spine. And not only that, when I did help bathe him, I felt his whole entire spine. And he was 32. And what's even worse is that example is so light compared to what happened the following two months whenever he ended up being in the ER. So he was given two weeks to live and all that was happening. And it was just one day, I think it was April 16th of 2021. It was around 11 a.m. We were just watching TV because he was given weeks to live. So we were just trying to make the best of it. And then all of a sudden he started feeling this pain like he was getting stabbed and it was getting worse and worse and worse. And I remember I called the oncology department to, to one of the ladies and was just trying to give her the rundown what to do. She didn't really help. I hung up, went back to my brother, and it was getting worse and worse. He looked like he was passing out. He was profusely sweating. We could not figure out what was going on. So I recalled the oncology department, and I said, I'm calling 911. I still don't know why she said this either. She told me, whatever I do, do not call 911. So I immediately hung up and called 911. Fortunately, I did, because what happened, we, we got to the ER. We had to do emergency surgery at 10 p.m. It was just me and my dad and the <clears throat> security guard for like two hours. Because we had no idea if he would survive that. I remember telling my dad before he was going to surgery, you got to make sure if there's anything you want to say to your son, do it now. So the surgeon came out, somehow was able to save his life. He had a perforated bowel, so essentially part of his colon just opened up a hole. There's a lot of times where I wish he didn't make it because the hospital was something even worse I can imagine than the previous two and a half months because I glossed over a hell of a lot on that. The first two and a half days, he was in ICU. And so he was on, um, what's the thing they put in your mouth to breathe? Do you know what I'm talking about? CPAP machine. Something like that, yeah. Or the ventilator, I think. Yeah, it's just, he yeah. literally had that, have that to breathe. And so the ICU experience was just <clears throat> awful too. And that made me get a really good glimpse of the hospital life. It's horrific for everyone involved. Blue, crazy blue lights, nonstop beeping, nonstop stress. 
I felt so terrible for a lot of the nurses because they're doing the best of what they know. A lot of that knowledge is obviously we don't disagree or we don't agree with. And so it progressively got worse. And whenever he was taken off the ventilator, it had spread his vocal cords apart so much that he couldn't, he would talk, but you can't hear anything. So I ended up having to be the spokesman for him essentially where he was just writing on whiteboards and we would just have to talk that out. And I pretty much stayed in that hospital as much as I could. And I made sure that if not me, some family member had 24-7 access to, to helping him because the hospitals, they're so overworked and stressed that he might not be able to get the help he needs in, in the time frame that he needs. There was one specific night I hadn't gone to sleep in over 24 hours and through all of the beeping and um, the constant check-ins and any, everything, my brother was not sleeping at all. Yep. And I remember from 12 at night to around 8 a.m., he had a horrible delirious experience because at first... I couldn't figure out what was going on because he thought people were going after him. He kept having me get the nurse constantly, but it's just because he wasn't able to sleep that that's just another example of just the healthcare and that could have just been so easily prevented. Then after those first two weeks in the hospital, because it was in a solid hospital in my hometown, we were taken to a long-term hospital, the only one in the city. And I remember going into that the very first day, one of the nurses, most of them were travel nurses. One of the nurses was definitely on heroin or some type of crazy drug because she was tweaking out so hard. And that was just another reality of, great, this is the type of care my brother's going to be having. Everything kept getting worse and worse. Nothing was really stopping the, the spread of the cancer. It was only spreading more. And then, yeah, the worst part was just seeing him suffer so much, knowing that I couldn't do anything but watch. There's little things I could do, like get the nurse, and yeah, that was awful and then with the the covid restrictions he was only able to have visitors 12 to 8 p.m and he can only have two a day still don't understand that which was absolutely ridiculous because then there was one instance to where i got special permission from the head of that department to stay longer because my brother wanted me there there's two nurses that came in they were trying to kick me out because i wasn't that because i said i was going to stay and i had permission but for some reason they they went and checked and i wasn't in the system so they were genuinely about to kick me out had I not had a voicemail from that person saying that I had that. Here are these people that talk about being empathetic and everything. They see my dying brother that weighs like 115 pounds that is literally helpless. He needs help with everything to just get out of bed. And just because of this dumb COVID stuff that they, that's all they could see. They could not think about any, they didn't think about my family at all. And so I don't know where I'm really going with that other than that's just another example of what the hell, man. Just fortunately I didn't kicked out, get kicked out because I would have had to be forced in handcuffs that night. But things, again, kept getting progressively worse. He was not healing at all. He tried to do all kinds of uh, speech therapy and physical therapy. He was an absolute warrior, and the pain kept getting worse. They kept having up the dosages of uh, fentanyl and uh, Dilaudid and all these other crazy freaking opioids. And again, another one of the worst experiences as to why I have Regenesance so no one can ever experience this. The day before my brother chose hospice, it was just me and him in the room, and the pain had gotten so bad that he tried to get the nurse to get more medicine, but they literally could not administer any more higher dosages or else he would OD. And while all that was happening, there's just the beeping of trying to get the nurse in. I'm on the left side of the bed, and he's looking right at my eyes, and he's screaming off the top of his lungs as he's looking at me, kill me, kill me, just fucking kill me. And as he's doing that, he slowly brings his frail little arm with a gunshot and he pointed at his temple while he's looking at me, and he pulled the trigger. But to make matters worse, as I said, he didn't really have a voice, so he was screaming off the top of his lungs, but it just sounded like a little whisper. Then the next day, went to back to the hospital with my dad, and the exact same thing happened, except my poor father had to see that. 
And not only that, my poor father had to realize that my brother's going to hospice and he only has days left. I obviously thought I would have many more years because he was only 32. He was my older brother. He taught me everything in life. And so hospice, which hospice was for what it's worth, it is incredible. Some of the most compassionate nurses and people I've ever seen. But through all that, he was only in hospice for two and a half days and I watched him die, as did my mom. So after all that happened, obviously my world just crashed because he died literally three days before his 33rd birthday. Things progressively got worse on my life too because I came back to Austin. I had lived here since 2018. I quit IBM. I withdrew my 401k and for two reasons, to better myself because I was just sick of unfulfillment and just because I was so destroyed that I wasn't sleeping until five or six in the morning. The only way I could sleep was just numb myself with weed. And through that year, I destroyed my health and just nuked my gut because by the time I came back to Austin, I also only weighed 125 pounds. I vividly remember looking at that scale because I only weighed 10 pounds more than my brother and he looked like he looked like death. So that year, my gut was in a mess. I would try to, I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars at the gastro and all kinds of other doctors and tests to figure out what was going on. Did colonoscopies, endoscopies, stool tests, blood tests, nothing. And they could not figure out anything except the gastro was saying I had an overacidic stomach. So they just kept wanting to pump me with antiacids. It was the inverse. I had a low acid stomach and it didn't, it took forever to realize that. And I had to go to independent help. So as I was figuring out my life, I started learning about agriculture through Twitter and that changed everything. But again, through all of that, my mom's health was still getting worse because June of 2022, I went back home for my brother's birthday. And I just remember me, my mom and dad were sitting outside and there's just like that classic memory card game to where you, you place all the cards in, you flip two pieces and you try to the matching cards and whatnot and whoever has the most pairs wins just a little kid game but me and my mom played that growing up all the time she was in such a bad spot that it literally looked like i was playing with my 90 year old grandma with alzheimer's she just had no clue what was going on but not just that she had always been pretty overweight but through all this she lost so much weight and just looked like death herself and so 2023 rolls around I finally figured out what my health issues were the only reason why was because i found a guy named alejandro ad on twitter he had me take a test for vitamin and mineral deficiencies and thyroid panel. Two tests that not a single doctor recommended for me. That oh. answered everything. After 18 months of not figuring out what was going on, I actually had to leave the farm I was working on early because my health was getting worse. Even though I was outside eating the healthiest I've ever been, now it makes sense because I realized I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's, which is a severe form of hypothyroidism. So my thyroid has not been properly working. It's been three years since I've woken up refreshed. I don't remember what it's like to wake up with energy. And so with that, I could finally address those deficiencies. I was supposed to start on a bison ranch in Montana last year, uh, February 1st. A week before that, I was in Boise, Idaho just to visit. And one of the minerals or vitamins I was deficient in was B1. So I, I took this supplement and I guess my colon was so inflamed that it has a severe reaction because over the course of three days, I <clears throat> went to the bathroom about 90 times it was all bloody. The most upper abdominal pain I've ever experienced. I remember sitting in my bed at this Airbnb loft, having to adjust myself to just get comfortable. And the worst thing that was with that is I just had crazy deja vu because that's exactly what was happening with my brother, that he'd have to get in these certain positions just to lay and be comfortable. So that was in the back of my head. And so Friday night, I realized this was too serious for urgent care. So my other option is uh, the ER. So the next morning rolled around and it was about 6.30 a.m. I had to head straight to the bathroom again. And since taking care of my brother and having all that PTSD, I'm still a very light sleeper. So I slept with wired headphones that rain sounds. And I'm sitting there and I started profusely sweating, thinking that I'm throwing up 
but then my hearing started going away then my eyes were closing in and i realized oh shit i'm passing out here but i didn't know why i was passing out it was happening so fast but in my head i was thinking this could be some type of organ failure i'm up in this loft by myself and i won't check out to the next day so if i pass out here i could die and so i hobbled to the bed i somehow talked myself out of not passing out i didn't know you could do that because i was just saying ryan you're not passing out here and then i just took a couple deep breaths surely enough my hearing and my eyes were opening again i drove straight to the er so i got there did a bunch of tests and they just said i had a really inflamed colon and i knew to get like a gastro and do the whole colonoscopy thing again was to come back here so they sent me away i went back to my airbnb and this was around five, four or five p.m I could feel myself on the verge of passing out again. So I drove back to the ER. This is another freaking thing about healthcare. It was because I was severely dehydrated, which makes sense. I wasn't eating, really drinking, and then everything was just flushing out. So they gave me two liters of fluid, and that felt amazing after that. But with that mess up on their end, I had an additional $3,000 bill. So I think about all these other families that have that experience, but they don't, they're not aware as I was, because fortunately I, I don't have health insurance. I have what's called Crowd Health, awesome organization to where they work with healthcare to try to bring the prices down, but essentially is you pay the first 500 and the rest is covered. So I think about all the families that would have gotten that $3,000 bill and that would have bankrupted them because they don't, because health insurance, most of it, the time doesn't cover anything. It's such a scam in, in America. So I come back to Austin and then as I'm recovering, because I was planning to go back to this bison ranch and then I had three farms lined up in Italy and then I was just going to travel the world and farm and that was going to be my way of bridging this ever-widening gap between people that produce the food and everyone else that eats the food. <coughs> and as I was recovering, I had the idea for an apparel brand, realizing there's no cool-looking apparel in the agriculture space outside of the farms and ranches, their brands itself, but also we're tribal by nature. So this could be kind of a movement around education and awareness behind agriculture or broken food system, and just all the misinformation that we're told. Again, you, the amount of information you share is just incredible. So as all that was going on, obviously my mom's health was getting worse and worse. I knew last year was her last year on earth for sure, but one of those awful feelings, it's like that impending doom feeling. You don't know when she's going to pass away. Mother's Day rolled around and I had just parked into the Whole Foods parking lot. And for whatever reason, that just triggered to where I realized I had suppressed everything with my mom because I was trying to go through everything with my brother's stuff and my own health journey. And it just hit like a train wreck. I just had, it was like a, just a crazy picture book of all these past memories with my mother, thinking about she dying soon and then not having the future together because I wanted a family. I want a family. And she would have been the best grand grandmother in the world. That's all she really wanted. And so... I was barely functioning. I was just trying to get my brand launched with Regenaissance. Um, I had a date set for May 28th. So that was Memorial Day weekend on a Sunday. She texted me out of the blue that Friday asking for my website, which I found really strange because she's always been the one to reach out and call and text pretty much every day. But as she cognitively declined, it was the opposite. I had to be the one reaching out to her all the time. And now I realize why she was reaching out because the launch happened on May 28th at noon central had great support i was absolutely thrilled not to mention i had no aspirations to ever start a business i was able to from my idea to launch with actual quality products with good natural fibers in three months so i was ecstatic about that i remember i was about to turn on the highway around 4 p.m to go to a friend's cookout and then my aunt called and i knew right away what that meant i don't remember the last time we've called each other sure enough when i answered i found out that my mom died so I went from probably arguably the highest point in my life to the second lowest point in my life after 
only 18 months after the lowest point of my life, losing my brother. And so I had to message everyone that I'm having to delay orders because I'm having to go to my mother's funeral instead. Again, this is why it's so important to think long-term about how you take care of yourself. Because my mom was quote-unquote fine all of her life. But in a span of two to three years, <clears throat> she went to a former shell of herself because she was always the one, very outgoing person. She talked to everybody to deteriorating and suffering a very tough two years physically and then also just watching her son die to where she passed herself only at, I think she was 63, so not even that old. And then, yeah, the rest of the year was still a huge struggle for me and I realized how awful I was actually doing. I was doing way worse than I thought because I was still just trying to scale this business and pour everything I could because that's all I could think about without my family matters. So I'm just gonna, I guess I'm trying to figure out even where to go from here because I just wanted to share that part of the story because you've had one of the biggest impacts on my life in the last three years just by sharing information. Just everything you have, you just put it out into ether, but you also practice what you preach and you get so much hate online, <laughs> um, which I find funny because they might disagree with you, but they can't disagree with the fact that what you share works because I'm living proof of that. All of those things I've been able to overcome, because I still, I'll be able to hold, I'm holistically healing my Hashimoto's, but I still to this day wake up as if I didn't sleep at all. But because of building that, rebuilding this foundation for myself, finding a mission in life, finding my tribe, never giving up with relentless, relentless action to where now whatever life throws at me, I know I'm still going to overcome that. So yeah, I know that's a lot, but, <laughs> but thank you, man. Well, thank you for sharing, first of all. So I said this day is so surreal because... <clears throat> I always thought to myself that I was eventually going to meet you, but just being just a lurker and reading everything that you've shared for so long to implementing a lot of that in my life to now this, yeah, just it goes to show just sharing out to the world, you don't know the type of impact you could be having. Obviously, as you've grown, you're following, yeah, I highly doubt that you realize that type of thing that's happened in the background of my life. Yeah, it, it makes it all worth it. Like he said, I receive hate or whatever. Like I'm used to it. It's not something that bothers me really anymore. Uh, it's just the nature of humans. It's the nature of putting out stuff online that when you challenge previously held beliefs, some people react badly. I get a lot of hate, but I also get incredible support. I have made connections with incredible people all over the world and changed people's health, uh, which is the most, by far the most rewarding and part of it, of it all. And all the DMs that I do get, as you said, there are people who are quietly consuming the information, quietly changing their own lives. And yeah, I'm just, I'm so glad and grateful that I could be that uh, force for you. Uh, in whatever way but your story is not unique it's it's increasing in number and this is why i challenge <clears throat> the commonly held beliefs of the healthcare system because what it is particularly in america today but all western countries is this complete topsy-turvy understanding of the human body and a complete divorcing from nature and that's true within our food system it's true within the medical system uh it's true within cutting ourselves off spiritually from god like it's all the same thing and it's why i talk about what i do and whether or not people understand exactly what i'm talking about in the moment just as you ran through this story that and your experience so far the last couple of years and your family i'm just thinking in my head oh yeah okay well that probably happened the doctors did this and yeah if if your body is trying to heal there is no way that adding more toxic chemicals and medicines into the mix is ever going to help. As you said, specifically, with the opioids, fentanyl, people overdose on fentanyl in the streets, that's getting worse. But we're using it in our hospitals mm -hmm. to 
yep, this is going to take the pain away. But what else does it take away? And it obviously doesn't even take the pain away. So like, what is the point of it? So anytime that you're adding a medication into the mix, when your body is trying to return to a sense of homeostasis and health, uh, now you've just added something else, which is effectively a poison that your liver and colon have to work out and get out of the body. Why was your brother uh, vomiting so much? It's because whatever they were putting into his body, vomiting uh, and diarrhea is one of the ways that your body tries to flush out toxin. Um, again, the, the antibiotics are a similar kind of thing that if you, okay, you've got this bad bacteria, we're gonna shove you full of antibiotics to kill that infection. And then the bacteria that breaks down what we eat can no longer do so. So of course we're gonna lose weight. We can't take in any nutrients. And if we're not taking in nutrients from the stuff that we're getting, then how are we gonna heal ourselves? And it's just like this terrible, terrible snowball effect uh, where really the basis of the education, not all of the doctors and nurses, I would say hardly any of them are actually actively uh, trying to make you worse. They're just educated in the wrong way. And they have spent years and years of their life studying to try to get a career in this model of understanding, which is not working. And so when someone's paycheck is dependent, their livelihood, how they support their family is dependent on them believing in this system that they're pushing out to people. That is one of the strongest mechanisms that's going to make someone ignore reality and ignore the fact that this stuff actually isn't working. And I would even question, okay, the top colon cancer clinics in the country, they did nothing, they didn't understand it. Like, by what metric are they the top cancer hospital and things? All of these things where ultimately the takeaway from all this is that you are responsible for your health. You cannot rely on other people, as well as traditional medicine, especially Western medicine, to save you, to heal you. Because even if they're doing their best, if their best is just uninformed, then you're never gonna get anywhere. And <clears throat> just like relying on other people for your income or mental peace and clarity, if you do that, you're externalizing your power and giving up your power to someone else. And what do you do when you give your power to someone else? You don't have any power left for yourself and your control of your own life. So really at the end of it, you have to take control and the health is, you know, you've done so phenomenally with what you went through and managing to build out the Regenesance uh, through that whole experience with this limited health currently that you're experiencing. And that's obviously all gonna get better with time. Uh, once you give your body the nutrients it needs and put your body in the right environment to heal itself because the body is the most technologically advanced thing that we could never ever make something in a hospital or create some treatment that's gonna be better than what the body knows to do inherently and innately. And so my message is always to trust that over everything else, over everything man-made, over everything that creates a profit because as soon as you bring in the profit structure or even just the ego of the human mind and misunderstanding, you're gonna run into problems wherever you go. So I completely forgot for two things. I completely forgot to, to talk about MD Anderson because I made those calls and why my brother wanted that make those calls is to just get into clinical trials as just like a Hail Mary in case things kept getting worse. And so I'd consistently talk with MD Anderson. And so my brother, he was on Medicaid, I believe. So he was only insured technically in Indiana and MD Anderson's in Houston. So I'd call and then they would get back to me the following week and it would typically be from a completely different person. And there were so many times where I would answer the phone and they would start asking me the same questions that the person the previous week asked. <laughs> and so that kept happening. Nothing was progressing at all. Because I was even, we were wanting to even pay out of pocket. It didn't, I mean, they were like, are you sure? I was like, 
yes, I'm sure it's literally life or death. Even just them asking that just is so infuriating. And so nothing was happening because I was even willing to, as he was getting worse, we were really thinking about MD Anderson because I still had my apartment in Austin. It was just going to be me and him driving down to Austin and him staying in my apartment and then we just drive to Houston. But we weren't even able to land a single in-person meeting in the two months I was talking with him. And I vividly remember this on the last time I ever talked to MD Anderson, I was sitting on my bed, my brother was sitting in the recliner and I hung up and we weren't able to get a message. And he looked at me and he was like, it's like they don't give a fuck about me, man. And I agree. They don't. No. Like. And I think it was a lot of health insurance reasons too. Because the second thing I wanted to say, so I went to my uh, doctor a couple weeks ago. He, I've had him for a while just to get a checkup on my thyroid. He was telling me how they use Cigna for health insurance and they were trying to renew the plans. So they came to him with a new offer. They were forcing him to make a 22% pay cut. And he was just like, what the hell? So him and a bunch of other doctors pushed back to that. So Cigna came back with a new offer, 5% pay raise to them. Because they know they have so much power in all of that to where they can just screw over not just the people that actually have health insurance, but the doctors that work with them. Because the whole entire health insurance and pharmacy benefit managers, that learning about that really blew me away of just as evil. Yeah. So all you have to think about is pharmacy salespeople and doctors that get kickbacks from how many kids they vaccinate. What is going on there? So of course, when that is in place as a system, it's going to result in people being given medication when they shouldn't be, even though I would argue that none of those things should ever be given to people. There are always better options to try, Uh, but it's just about incentives. If that is set up and, you know, we have these big pharma companies that receive the biggest criminal fines in all of history billions and billions of dollars and then they're like yeah that was bad and they got fined for that but what else are they doing what else are they selling and then you look into the history of everything where the power structures right now in the healthcare system were created out of the rockefeller medical kind of system where they used to he owned uh newspapers and things back in the day and anyone that was promoting the natural way of life or natural healing using herbs and things he would slander in the papers Hmm. and eventually try to get their licenses uh disbarred so that he could come around with his uh petrochemical based pharmaceuticals and say this is the way to heal and then sell them and so that's really like one of the defining points of why the healthcare system is so effed up right now um when herbs and things like they grow out of the ground they are as natural as can be and for every health ailment that we have there exists something in nature to help us with that and most vast vast majority of doctors don't even read anything about herbs whatsoever they don't even read anything about food they don't even know how to do a vitamin and mineral uh, mineral test which yep. is absurd because yep. You would think, you know, they talk about commercials, yeah, make sure you get your vitamins and supplements and things. And that's even sometimes the issue with taking supplements is like, I'm deficient in vitamin B1 as you were. Um, So you take a supplement and it's not, it's like this isolated form, who knows what else was in that particular brand and your colon reacts in a certain way when maybe something like a raw egg yolk has incredibly high amounts of vitamin B1 and a whole bunch of other vitamins and the, the cholesterol and the fat to carry it into the body and to be absorbed properly. And so that's the other thing with supplements uh, that people don't realize is if it's a shitty brand, there could be other cofactors inside. But really, whenever we take steps outside of what exists in nature, our body is not going to be able to fundamentally understand it at a biochemical level, at an energetic level, and it's not going to be processed, absorbed, and used for healing in the way that nature structures. I agree. I, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned the last couple of years is nature always prevails. I mean, 
take agriculture, for example, how we do the conventional model with factory farming, monocropping, <coughs> all of the chemicals we spray, and the massive tilling. How does nature respond? The Dust Bowl happened. And there's so many different things like that that have happened in the history of humankind. Cause what we, is that? The Dust Explain Bowl. it for me. Yeah. So this was in the 20s. But leading up to that, they had a couple acts, like the Enlarged Homestead Act, to where they granted access to just a large plot of land to incentivize people to move out west. And so they had all these inexperienced farmers, and they were, they had these massive machineries, just crazy tillage, and then they also monocropped. And whenever that happens, you destroy the soil, and all the topsoil just blows away. There's no water storage in the actual soil. And so they just had this massive uh, couple of years to where... None, all the land was desolate. If you look at pictures up on the Dust Bowl, it is crazy to where people were actually getting sick just from inhaling all of the dust. And they had to have mass migrations out even further west to California. It was called the Okies, I believe. But for the whole pretty much decade of the 20s was just horrific. And then that ended up turning into the dirty 30s. And it just impacted most of Oklahoma, a lot of Texas. And I'm trying to visualize where else, but it just massive impact to where that used to be the prairies where all the bison would roam we at that time had some of the best farmland in the world because of the bison and so many other ruminant animals but because we destroyed that soil and the land itself because there's so much biology under the ground you hold a teaspoon of soil there's a, i think it's one million or one billion which is obviously a start of just microorganisms going on in there and so whenever you're destroying the, the soil you're completely destroying that because there's this whole soil food web going on that you don't see. And so when you're breaking all of that, you're you're just killing it, literally. And so nature responds. And then that's why our soil is just degrading like crazy as we continue to monocrop. Because you go out in nature, you never see just one species of plant. It's extremely diverse because that's how it is. You try to do minimal tillage, but then all of the chemicals that we continue to spray, herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, and fungicides, side just means to kill. Will Harris, the infamous farmer in, in uh, Georgia always talked about whenever he was a conventional farmer, every single day woke up about what to kill. And that's just a very conventional thinking and it's completely backwards because what happens with those chemicals, they get into the, the water supply, it gets into the actual soil. All of our, the with fruit for example, like berries and all those that aren't organic have insane amount of, of pesticides on them. So here comes agriculture with the quote unquote regenerative, but I mean there's all other parts like permaculture, uh, agroforestry, forestry, to where you align with nature rather than go against it. And what happens when that happens? Better soil, better grass for the animals, healthier animals, healthier people, but also healthier environment overall. And so just that thinking with that system thinking, like you were saying with herbs, it's just the more you align with nature, it's that's why I have Regenesance because it's not just going back to our food. It's you're more connected to the natural world because with tech and living in big cities, it's very easy because you might be born into a major city. You never go out and see a natural park or a farm. So once you actually visit a farm, you see those connections, it just flips in your head and it starts getting the ball rolling, really thinking about all of that. And I continue to meet people that share the same story yeah. so that's why it's freaking awesome because i continue to see more and more people after the pandemic but then the food system itself are just waking up to holy crap what has happened to our country so i it's very easy to be doomer especially in america with all the crap going on but i'm so optimistic and hopeful because of that but also with raw milk because a lot of people are waking up to how beneficial incredible that is and how much we've been lied to on that and then that again snowballs into thinking about healthcare system and everything else that's toxic. Yeah, raw milk is a really great one 
to weasel into people's minds is because it's relatively inoffensive in the broad spectrum of all of the health conspiracies that we may discuss uh where, where someone might reject that all hospitals are profit driven and they're, oh, they're just trying to heal people you can say to them okay well try this raw milk and why is raw milk literally like more illegal than fentanyl <laughs> in some states it's completely absurd and all you have to do is get them to take that first sip of raw milk and maybe they've only drunk pasteurized milk their whole life not able to tolerate dairy until they try raw dairy uh, that has the beneficial microbe inside it that break it down for you so you can tolerate it uh, and they go hmm that's incredibly delicious and it heals people like literally heals people raw milk is filtered blood in a way um it contains a lot of the same uh nutrients and like quality of the makeup of the substance is very similar to blood and so you imagine like we give blood transfusions to people to make them stronger so it's kind of the same uh same thing with raw milk for people that have had guts that are all messed up from medicines antibiotics trash food their whole life blue light as well affects that raw milk is this gateway to uh better health and once you have better health you have a better brain as you're saying it's all connected and when you have a better brain you have more energy and you have the ability to think about things and have a bit more spirit inside you to be like hang on what's going on here so i love raw milk for that if i have uh access to it i'm drinking you know two two to three liters a day each and every day um and i've had nothing but benefits from it and the larger political movement of making raw milk accessible to people is a very important one um, making sure that we remove as much regulation as possible of the regulations that have been put in place to enrich people that or people and organizations uh, that can afford this special pasteurization equipment for example that's how this whole thing started is that <clears throat> the companies that had the pasteurization they had this phony scientific justification that they gave to the politicians to say look this is dangerous there's salmonella or anything well salmonella is in you right now people don't understand that salmonella ebola these really scary uh bacteria that that gets put on the, on the headlines in the news they're in you right now and they're helping you break down food and most people are good most of the time that's you know that's how bacteria should be when they're in alignment with nature when everything is in balance in your body this is what i've come to realize uh most prominently the last few months is my whole understanding of sickness and disease has shifted um because as the dust bowl was a response from nature that something was off and people could say that it was you know nature's way of clearing people out of there to stop doing the thing that was making it ill uh, the same way disease is our body's way of obviously we w wouldn't want that to happen ideally but when you pump it full of so many toxins and you live so far away from how we're naturally meant to live and you get extra medicines and antibiotics to try to treat the beginning symptoms that you may have uh, it just gets worse and worse and then you have disease and illness come about and they are temporary states of detoxification when you think about things in this light instead of i have this disease this disease has happened to me rather than thinking okay how have i been living how have i been eating um sometimes there are rare occasions where you've been poisoned by something that's completely out of your control and it's nothing to do with how you live and that's just the world we live in and they're spraying spraying glyphosate next door and then that goes under you know into the water table and then you drink the tap water of that town and then you I develop a cancer because of that um, these things happen as well so there's like a larger 
social understanding of how we need to shift from diseases is isolated thing that happens to me that requires treatment to get rid of the symptoms and then I'm healthy again but let's back it up and view the body as a system that when it has everything it needs and it doesn't have too much of what it can't handle it's in a state of health that seems to be true for every human being I've ever encountered and it may take years to fix whatever has been the cause of your disease or illness but identifying with it as saying I have this disease like our understanding of genetics is also I think uh, limiting in a lot of ways and again it comes back to personal responsibility and understanding okay how, how could this feeling this symptom this fever which in fever is just your body trying to sweat out all the garbage it it, it knocks you out mm-hmm. you want to lie in bed for 48 hours and throw up and diarrhea and sweat out everything guess what that's three different methods of your body detoxing whatever it wi- it was um that has been accumulating for the months previously or years previously it gets you to stop eating because when we fast we um we direct more energy to healing process and your body can focus on getting this stuff out and it doesn't have to you know process extra food extra food yes we need nutrients in certain ways in certain amounts at certain times to help illness and help disease however there are benefits to fasting because it enables your body to direct more energy and attention to doing what it needs to do. For in the, in this case, you like you don't feel hungry when you're just have the flu, which is I shouldn't even say that because that's not a thing. <laughs> but this is the system, and and as I've learned all this, and then kind of viewing the illness, the detox, the food in this manner, it just makes so much more sense. And it makes sense that our diseases are increasing across the board, chronic disease, because our healthcare system thinks about it in this archaic way, which is, oh, you've just got this disease randomly, your genetics made this happen, cancer happened because, well, I don't know, like, let's bomb it with drugs. And then if you recover, you recovered in spite of that treatment. Um, What do you mean by that? So I'm sure there are some human-made treatments that help the body do what it needs to do. A lot of them, including pain medications, chemotherapy and things like that, you may have had a cancer and you add the chemotherapy and then your cancer is in remission. Was it because of the chemotherapy that weakened your body and then made your body less able because it has to process that through the liver as well and then also dealt with the cancer? Would it have been better off if you didn't put the chemotherapy into that equation and then just dealt with the cancer in other ways? So it's like, it's this kind of correlation, not causation. It's, it's not scientific to view you recovered with the drugs, therefore the drugs helped you do that. Therefore we need to give more drugs to more people in similar situations. That's not scientific. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that may have cancerous, cancerous growths of some kind that don't even know about it because it's not diagnosed. And it's a temporary accumulation of toxins in the body that accumulates in a certain place and then the body gets rid of it, whether it was accumulated over a certain period of stress uh, and therefore your body couldn't do what it normally needs to do and then it just goes away and it's never diagnosed, maybe you just like felt a bit low energy for a few weeks. But the diagnosis of the hospitals with the MRI, which is a blasting you with emf in that particular sensitive area the diagnosis is you've got you've got cancer and you have three months to live like what like mentally 
the energy of giving that to someone and again it's it's done because they want to try to heal and they 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 think what they're interpreting is this thing that needs to be attacked and killed but in my opinion from what i've kind of researched recently uh the other model of your body knows what it's doing and it's can be stuffed up and not functioning correctly but if we give it what it needs and put in the situation environments that most conducive to healing allow it to sleep allow it to ground allow you to get rid of the noise and the blue light and get sunlight for the first time in years then yeah it's going to be able to process and deal with whatever it's kind of on the on the agenda for it i so agree with that because <clears throat> when my brother had that surgery back in december of 2020 i remember when i went back home in january and talked to my dad outside he told me that the surgeon said without a doubt that my brother's dying but doesn't know when so even before i started taking care of my brother that was in the back of my head the whole time that i know he's probably gonna die so yeah <laughs> it's okay even if you have that perspective as a doctor preaching what i preach about the mental states and the how our brain creates reality and how our thoughts create reality and impress upon the subconscious mind these things our thoughts on an instantaneous basis change the energy that we exist in. If you're co constantly thinking low energy thoughts, that is a state of stress mm -hmm. and your body's not going to work as well. So you imagine you're just like, da, 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 da. you have three months to live <laughs> all the time. Try to get that out of your head yep. with a family member. You yourself have been brought into that uh, low state of energy because of the one opinion of the doctor and i guess they say it because they want to give a level of severity to the situation but i think that there are ways to do that that aren't you're gonna die yep. bro you're gonna die <laughs> like, yeah it's such a terrible thing to say and it was it was literally in the back of my mind constantly because it's just i obviously never talked to him about it and he never was aware at the same time, he was getting worse, so my whole time was, well, he's dying soon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's awful. Like, your energetic state has some level of effect on him because you're with him. Like, imagine if the doctor had said, look, this scan showed us this. This is your current lifestyle factors that may have contributed. We have these treatments available. We're going to do the best we can, and you're going to heal, and your body is resilient and let's be this thing together i'm sure some do right mm -hmm. but putting this finality of death on a time frame from someone that wears a white coat to the majority of americans or people around the world who don't have any other health knowledge but they trust the guy that's gone to university for so many years to protect them and to heal them and then they get told that that's like really heavy man and people think themselves into sickness and illness and there'll be nothing wrong with them. So you imagine adding that to the pile of sometimes of what is really wrong with them with the toxins in their body. It's just, it's not good. It makes me think of dermatologists with all the skin issues because growing up, I went to that and my mom had really bad psoriasis and she always went to the dermatology. They never talk about nutrition, never. And all they do is prescribe drugs and with my mom, just some crazy chemically compounded shampoo that only worsens your skin and dries it out dude yeah pretty much 
any skin condition is your body getting rid of some toxin in some way or there's a limitation of a nutrient that means it can't repair itself and heal itself and there's the the dermatology especially it's like you have acne we're going to give you a medication that just deletes your body's ability to produce sebum to moisten the skin and that's good that's uh roaccutane or accutane is brand names differ um is that fixing the problem of why your body was getting rid of this garbage out through the skin which it shouldn't be doing optimally it's you know through the liver through the colon kidneys urine sweat to get rid of garbage when that's imbalanced it's all good your skin looks good when you have acne that's some indication that something isn't being processed the way it has or like i said you're not getting vitamin a and vitamin b or enough raw fats uh to make the new cell walls that make your skin look good uh dermatology again like that's one where they say sunscreen is good that's another big one uh sunscreen the sun's going to damage your skin rather than being uh, actually what solves a lot of people's eczema is going for a dip in the ocean, remineralizing the skin and getting sunlight. So I had eczema growing up really, really bad all over my arms and in the back of my legs. I went to the ocean. It went away. Like it burned like hell at that time as a kid. But I just remember because I would go to the dermatology for that and they would give me Cortade and all these other creams. That's just wild. I completely forgot about that until you mentioned that. It's just one of... Yeah, there's just one so of the many, 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 many issues with the health care. And this is like, do your own research. The thing is, is that most doctors, they have their university understanding and the curriculum that they learn. And there's like a, there's a perspective of the legacy media and doctors in general. Well, don't confuse your research with my degree you know (laughs) when literally a couple of hours of research of i'm just going to take in information from all perspectives and despite google being a bit useless now there are other search engines there are other voices books um, a million podcasts where people talk about these things how did i heal my skin you know search that on youtube right now and despite all their censorship they can't get it all and a few hours of that concentrated okay i'm going to just open myself up to all this perspectives you're going to be more educated than the average gp general practitioner at your local random uh, rural town in america or wherever like it's very easy and it's not this like you have to study for months and months obviously the more the better and the more you do this uh down the rabbit hole and if you don't have time what what is or you think you don't have time what is more important than educating yourself about your health first of all uh so and that can be for your skin conditions that can be for your gut that can be for how i started everything with wanting to build more muscle uh, in the gym Um, but the self-education aspect and not rejecting information because you have previously heard the information from someone who is an authority figure and that authority is used as the basis to stop you challenging what they're saying whenever you see that dichotomy you know there's bs mm-hmm. like whenever someone says don't question it because i'm the doctor and you don't know anything 
when someone says, don't question it because I'm the fitness trainer and blah, 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 they, they could just completely be uninformed. And that happens a lot. And don't take my word for it. Take what I say, compare it to other people, tr test it out in your own life. Like I'm not claiming authority on this, even though I've done it for years. Uh, I know some things. But it'll all change and it'll change because I'm constantly researching and trying to figure out the best way uh, when I feel better in myself living a certain way. I want to talk about it. And that's where it leads into, you know, most of the content that I put out. So I want to transition a little bit because you mentioned, you talk about it a lot, but you also just mentioned this with your health, with mindset. If we could just talk about that topic, uh, just what the thoughts you have, but also the, the things that you say, because I even caught myself even talking to you earlier that I was about to say, I'm trying to have my apparel in the warehouse. And <laughs> I really corrected myself that I'm going to have my apparel in the warehouse so if you could just yeah. talk about your viewpoint on all that and why you talk about that so much. <clears throat> so the greatest limitations we'll experience in life are self-imposed. And what does that mean? It means that whatever we think we can do and what we think we can't do will become true because our mindset and our perspective is the lens through which we experience the world. And there are many different applications of that. As you said, you changed it from, you said, I'm trying. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do this. I am is the biggest thing that you got to like, what do you say after I am? Because when you say I am, that's me. Am the same as this quality, this thing, or this activity that I'm doing. I am depressed. I am sick. I am happy. I am energetic. You're marrying your personal self image and subconscious thought with that state of awareness or a quality of some kind. So when you say, I am trying to do this, you're marrying yourself with the attempt of it rather than just saying, I'm doing this. And even just saying that, you can feel the difference in the resonance of energy. I'm trying. Oh, I'm trying. <laughs> Versus I'm doing this. Yeah. I will succeed. And our language and the words that we say have a resonant energy within themselves. And as I said, you can feel the energy difference because there is an energy difference as you're saying it. There's weak language. There's language that uh, we, we curse ourselves with by saying, oh, I have depression and things like that. You're giving yourself this quality. You may feel depressed. You may feel down. There is no world where aligning your identity and yourself with depression and having that, and I am that, there's no world where that helps. If you, if you have... <laughs> If you feel that at a current point in time, improve that and work towards getting out of that and do the holistic things that will move you away from that state, which current medicine as well, this is an issue with looking at a set of symptoms that may be appearing and calling that a disease. The body is in a certain state for a certain reason, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel syndrome. What is that really? Your gut is inflamed. Your gut is 
trying to deal with stuff that you keep on putting in that's absolute garbage. Yeah, I'd be inflamed too if I was doing that all the time. Do you have ulcerative, ulcerative colitis? Do you have irritable bowel syndrome? No, you, your gut is just currently inflamed because of what you're putting into it. It doesn't deserve this isolated look this point in time now you have this now you've gone to the doctor's office and they've said that and then for weeks and months you're telling your family oh i figured out what was wrong with me i have irritable bowel syndrome and it's just this weird capturing label that we put on things and then we when we label something it's very easy to identify ourselves with that label and therein lies the issue because whatever you think your mind creates subconscious mind puts out into the world and that an example of that is 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 health first and foremost is uh as i said before there's placebo where you think yourself into good health and there's nocebo where you the similar effect of the negative you can think oh i read about these symptoms and i i felt that last night i i probably have this and it's a very tricky slippery slope uh to go down when it comes to health in general it's never beneficial to identify with the current temporary state that you're in. Once you label it, it gets concretized into this thing and now it's harder to let go of and you're attaching your identity to it. The same is true for business operations. If you want to get a client, I'm trying to get a client, a client, client versus, oh, I'm, I'm going to sign a client today. Even that is like putting in the future. I will, I will sign clients. I'm going to start a business. It's like, don't put it away from yourself. Never give yourself the negative uh, potential of I can't do that. Uh, because all they are is even like two people, same skills, same opportunities, same environment. One person thinks I have perfect health. I have more money than I need versus the same person who thinks I'm sick and it's hard for me to make money. Who's going to have a better experience of life? Obviously the person with the mental capacity to think in these grander terms in these abundant terms and, and really just try if you, if you don't believe you can do something, even if the current state of your life is not giving you evidence that you can do something, the mental switch has to happen first and then the physical reality kind of forms around that as I'm sure you know. Yeah, that's, that's why I asked about the mindset because obviously America's very overweight. At least 75% is obese, morbidly obese, severe obese. And I really think a lot of it is, is the mentality. So I watched a video a couple of days ago on Twitter of a very out of shape woman who was crying and in the com the post was just saying what advice would you give her and everyone was just commenting just go to the gym go to the gym which yeah go to the gym but that's not addressing the root cause a lot of people that are very overweight they have severe trauma that they're just eating themselves away i essentially did that after my brother died which is how i destroyed my health and what these foods that are chemically designed to make us addicted it is very challenging and that's why i think the mental aspect is such a missing piece to our health crisis um, and because you spend all these years despising the way you look you're making yourself look worse and feel worse 
And so you're just spending all these years and years and years of training your mind to think you're never going to get better. You're never going to be okay. And so, yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's the most important piece of the puzzle. And there are some things, you know, if you're eating a lot of food that you shouldn't be, you're probably going to put on weight. The mentality is to get you to open the door to take action and allow yourself to be open to direction into new things. And if you don't have that piece, then it doesn't really matter what else because there are very rich people, uh, people with great bodies who they don't have the mental awareness or consciousness and everything around them is doom and gloom and clouds. And then someone with no money and is fad will look at that and be like, wow, how, why are they not happy? Well, it's the mentality. And, the, and like, it is the one thing that no one can take away from you is when you develop your own mind to, to have that ironclad perseverance and the great perspective to look at any situation and be like, I'm okay. I can get my way out of this. I'll be okay no matter what happens. This is a good thing. Reframing the events of your past and the traumas to be a good thing. And that's really challenging for people, some people. But again, going back to who's going to have a better experience of life, someone that thinks they've gone through years of trauma or someone that thinks that they've gone through years of events that have made them stronger. And that's just... Whoosh, and it's not for anyone else's sake, it's for them. And now they're more empowered in their life. And what has what else has changed other than their perspective of what happened to them? What, kill you, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And for me, that's consistently been happening. I mean... <laughs> yeah. Strong like, as a bison now. <laughs> <laughs> that's why, like, even, yeah, the day my mom died, it's just, I knew that was happening, but I was still able to successfully launch my business to where now I'm not even a year under... And the connections I'm making and, I mean, Twitter, I see Raw's a lot everywhere and that's just wild <laughs> because that was definitely not a thing until I launched my business. <laughs> yeah, I, I put it in the tweet that got like 20 million views when everyone was roasting me. Yeah, uh, with all that, yeah, that was that was funny. Um, I'm trying to think. That's really all I had on my end. I didn't know if there's any, any other things that you'd like to talk about. No, nah, man, I mean... What's the core message that we both push? It's to look after the world uh, as best we can, our animals, our plants, because that is going to be the best way that we're going to have the best experience as humans because we're part of that. We're not separate. We're caretakers of because we have the consciousness and awareness to think about it. You know, how should we farm? Animals are just animaling. You know, we have the higher order of consciousness, hopefully, to make a better world for ourselves, for our children. Uh, and it starts with your health and it starts with courageously telling the truth about these archaic institutions that are failing us. And, you know, I love what you're doing. And that's why I've, I've supported you as well. And I know that your, your family, uh, both here and not here, would be very proud of what you're creating. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to come on the podcast. Well, thank you. If there's anything that you'd like to, to plug or anything, you can go ahead. Sure. Well, main thing is my new book, The Soul Way, is out uh, on Amazon. I'm Solbra on all social media channels. So find me on there and pick up a copy of the book. I highly recommend following all that advice. <laughs> <laughs> you can find the full video on YouTube at The Renaissance.